Hey everyone, Marlena here from Edu Gladiators, and I am so happy to have uh, Colleen Skiles here with me as well, and Sean Thom, two of our warriors. Uh, Bethany had a family emergency today, so we're sending lots of good thoughts to her and her family, and I know everything is on the up and up, but uh, we will definitely get her back to do a podcast, all her own, Lots of good uh, her. about about uh, classrooms to community for sure. But uh, we will definitely. There we go. So I have my laptop going as well. You might have heard that. <laughs> so if you have any questions or any thoughts, um, we're definitely going to uh, just kind of do an after the chat. Get your thoughts and feelings on it. And more than what 140 characters can can capture. Definitely drop it in the live chat, and we'll uh, we'll definitely talk about those things. So. Uh, to get us started, uh, Sean and Colleen, first of all, tell us a little bit about yourselves because there are folks that may not know who you are. So my name is Sean, and uh, I have spent six years teaching middle school science, served two years as a principal of a special education school, and now kind of have a hybrid teacher administrator role, uh, teaching three eighth grade science classes a day in the city of Camden and also doing teacher evaluations and observations. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Colleen. Hi, I'm Colleen Skiles. I'm a teacher in the St. Louis metro area. I taught social studies for 12 years, and now I teach modern language, 6th through 8th grade. I'm also the president-elect of the Missouri Council for Social Studies and a Google Certified Educator. So welcome, everybody, this morning. Awesome, awesome. Thank you guys for joining in. And again, we'll have Bethany on a separate podcast, all our own, so she can dive deeper and to her, uh, her philosophy on, on education and discipline. But you know, one of the things we want to do this month is really focus on rethinking discipline. And Bethany's questions were great. She did an amazing job in our chat today about classroom management because most of our teachers, especially our first year teachers, really struggle with classroom management. So uh, I love her idea of changing, um, are transforming classrooms to communities and having that kind of mindset. And one of her first questions that she asked is, what's the role of relationships in classrooms? So Colleen, Sean, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Well, I, I've, always, I've learned since um, being in any aspect of teaching or education, if you're not taking that time to build the relations with your students, you're not really doing anything in your classrooms. Uh, you know, you can sit there, you can go into the toughest school, work with the toughest kids possible, and having, having a background in a behavioral school for kids with some pretty severe emotional behavioral issues, you really have to take that time to get to know your kids and to build those relationships. Because if you are not talking to them, if you're not getting to know them, they're, they're not going to want to care about what you have to say. So it really takes that time and that investment. Because if you're not doing that, then nobody else will. Um, one thing that I saw trending that a couple of people were mentioning on the chat was the approach or the program um, called Capturing Kids Hearts. Mm, tell us about that. Okay, so Capturing Kids Hearts, uh, it's more into it than what we have. But a lot of it is about building relationships. Like some of it's like the standard stuff that you know about like standing at the door and greeting the students when they come in, doing the high fives, different things like that. But it's also making blocks of time within class to have share out time. So just taking like the first three or five minutes in class and having the students say like, what did you do this weekend? Or what did you do last night? Or, and just having that conversation and building around not only what's happening in school, but in their personal lives. 
And I like that. Not only do the students share out, but the teachers share out. There's a whole bunch of other things that go into it. It's a whole discipline routine where you have hands that you create um, like a classroom mission or like a classroom norms. And you come up with these words that are the class kind of compromise that they all come into. So like we're going to respect each other and we're going to have compassion for each other, but each class makes their own. And so like what I do is, well, back when I taught social studies and I had like normal kids and normal time frames, and I could do like all this different stuff in the class because I had them for a whole year, um, I would make a wordle of all the words that we came up with. And I would print it out and the kids would put it in a sleeve in the front of their binders. And so if they were not doing something in class, um, that went with our norms, you just flip through that first page of the binder and you touch the word. And it reminds them, hey, we agreed that we're gonna be doing this in class and you're not doing it. And it's just kind of like an unwritten kind of rule that you have in class. It's actually, it's really fun. It cuts down on discipline a lot. So and I saw that name in a lot. So. What's the name of it again? It's Capturing Kids Hearts. Okay, I'm just adding it in our chat so those that yeah. are joining in can um, learn more about that. How do you, though, how do you balance that? Because here's, and I, I believe in everything you're saying, and I did all of that, even as a principal, and it took a lot of time. Mm -hmm. The pushback I would always get from teachers that were struggling is that they did not have time to do that. So how do we get those teachers on board with understanding that relationships really, it really does come first? Um, when our principal introduced the program to us and just the different relationships and stuff with us is that she said, we front loaded a lot of it and she said by front loading a lot of it and by taking the time to do this it cuts down on the amount of time that you have to interrupt your teaching to deal with behavior management issues so in the end it actually gives you more time in your classroom because you're not dealing with all that side stuff that you have to deal with without it i like that i like that Another thing that I kept seeing trending uh, as early as the very first question was uh, trust. People were using relationships and trust. And um, Sean, I know that just you sharing with your with your school and, and your class right now that that has been an integral part of you being successful uh, in your classroom instruction. So can you talk a little bit about like the importance of trust and how, how it interacts with relationships? Absolutely. I was uh, standing in front of the class a couple of, was last week and or two weeks ago, we were having a conversation and we were doing some learning and I'm looking at the kids and they're looking at me and I think we just all had the same look on our face like this is, this is boring. <laughs> you know, we, um, I, I, I stopped what I was doing. We had a little bit of conversation and then the very next day I came back into the classroom and said, all right, things aren't going the way I want them to go. Things aren't going the way you want them to go. So we spent some time and they identified what problems we're having in the class, what we needed to fix. They identified possible solutions, and then they identified possible problems to our possible solutions. And we, we, we had sat down in groups, we did that as groups, and then we put up, we did our class parking lot, and then we had a full out class discussion where kids were writing in a Google Doc with some, with some suggestions and what we could do to fix the classroom and different things we can do. And I think now we're at that point where kids see that ownership, and we spent that time building that trust, and it was tough for me because I had to say to the kids, look, I understand that you're gonna tell me things that I probably wouldn't normally wanna hear, that you think might offend me, but I promise you I will not be offended. I promise you I want you to just be real, be honest, be raw. 
I had some kids tell me I talk too much. I had some kids tell me I need to slow down in the way I talk and the way I teach. I mean, things that if the kids weren't telling me, if they didn't trust me enough to be able to share this information, then I wouldn't be able to change the way the class is going and it would, it would, that would negatively impact their education. So I think without that trust, without being able to build those relationships, you don't really have anything in class. So I think trust is an absolutely integral part to what we are doing in, in our classrooms. I totally agree. Totally agree. I'm um, looking at the chat right now, and uh, uh, Brendan said that in North Carolina, uh, Colleen, they're using the Capturing Kids Hearts, uh, particularly in the high school, which is really exciting to have that mm -hmm. in the high school uh, and, and even in the middle school. Uh, so I think that, you know, this whole idea of really taking time to know kids, build that trust is important because then that leads us to make, to establish those clear expectations, which according to our guests uh, from today, from Bethany, you know, establishing those clear expectations are key. So how do we do that? How do we establish those clear expectations or how have you guys done it where it doesn't come down like a mandate? Well, a lot of it comes down from the students and then this is where your buy-in and this is where your student ownership comes in where you set the expectations, not you as a teacher, but the students set the expectations. So again, I'm going to refer back to the Capturing Kids Hearts because that's the, that's the program that I'm most familiar with. And that's the program I used most recently. And even though I'm not in the same school that used the program, I still use pieces of it in my own classroom. And the idea is you get that you have the kids come in, they actually are the ones that create the expectations. They know how they want to be treated in the classroom. They know how they want the teacher to treat them. So you set those, the kids set the expectations, not the teacher. And then that way it doesn't sound like a mandate. It comes from them and they actually have more buy-in and more ownership with it. And like I said, with the capturing kids' hearts, you just had to point to the word and the kids know, oh yeah, I made that social contract with this classroom. So I need to stick by it and I need to shut myself down right now. Absolutely. I love that. And you know, and uh, Bethany's third question was, how can we make sure kids have ownership? And I think, I think exactly what you said, Colleen, you know, making sure that they're part of the process. And I saw a lot of folks tweet about of the process. Sean, how did, how did you make sure, uh, especially in your transition back part-time to the classroom, how do you make sure that your kids are part of that process of establishing those clear expectations? Well, I think I just kind of came back into the classroom doing what I did as, as the principal for two years. And one of the things I shared out in the chat today, I think, was during the first question is, is the expectations I've had. And something that I got from a Challenge Day, if you've never heard of Challenge Day, I highly suggest you check them out. But they have seven Challenge Day norms. And I, I had this poster hanging up in my office. I had it hanging up in my classroom before I became an administrator. And it's back in my classroom now. And they're the classroom expectations. And they're very simply be inclusive, no put downs or teasing, compliments and love encouraged, listen with your ears and heart, be open minded drop the waterline and get real, and finally be the change you wish to see in the world. And we start off by just talking about those. And those are our classroom norms and expectations, but each classroom defines individually what those mean to them. And then we kind of have those conversations revolving around all those and just what that means to the students to allow them to be able to verbalize what, what, how they think and how they feel. And I think that's been very helpful for, for me with my kids. I, mean, I, I work in, in Camden, New Jersey, and you know, just coming into that environment, it's, it's tough when you're, when, you're, when you're new to that environment. It's actually my second stint in the city. But um, 
you know, it's just, it's just big to be able to come back in there and, and get those expectations down pat and get your students to be able to, to not only buy into them and accept those, but also be able to self-monitor and monitor each other in the same time. So I, I think it's just really important to kind of be consistent and allow them to be a part of that process, like Colleen said. Absolutely. You know, one of our mic drops today uh, from Edu Gladiators was from our one of our first time visitors, our participants, uh, Daniel Joseph. And uh, Danielle is uh, Danielle is a teacher, and uh, she considers herself definitely uh, an advocate for student voice. And Danielle said that you've got to you've got to get to the heart before you get to the brain, and mm -hmm. that really resonated with me. And in our chat, our live chat, Bethany and Leah and Karen are talking about that very thing. You have to get to the heart, and so I know Bethany is a big energy buzz. Uh, her school is an energy bus school. And if you haven't heard of that, that's another great resource to kind of uh, help your school rethink uh, and reset how they feel about uh, classroom management and creating that community feel. Um, so I really love that uh, getting to your heart before uh, before you get to the brain. What do you guys think about that? I totally that. Yeah, you have to get to the heart before you get to the brain. The kids, there's a our, our school has posters that is for the teachers in the teacher's lounge that says, if the kids don't think they care, you care about them, they're not going to listen to you. Absolutely. Like they're not going to, they don't care what you say. They don't care what you're teaching about. They don't care what your content is unless they already know that you care about them. So you have to get to their heart. You have to make sure that they know that you care before they're even going to care what you have to teach them. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I think we also need to recognize and remember that, you know, we, we, we talk all the time about Maslow's needs before Bloom's hierarchy, right? We talk, we, we talk all the time about that. And I think we need to recognize that one of the most basic human needs is, is feeling loved. And so many of the kids that we have coming into our schools nowadays are just, they're struggling for something at home. And we need to be able to give them that love and that attention that, that they need because if we're not giving that to them, and we're not there for them in ways that, that they generally need, we can't expect them to care at all about what's going on in the classroom because we are not meeting their needs. So I think you know that, that heart before, before every, anything else is, is definitely important. I know this sounds really strange and I'm gonna bring it back around, but last night my husband and I stayed up late you know, with a baby, you can only do that a couple of times. And we watched the movie, The, the Accountant with Ben Affleck. Yeah, I haven't seen that. There's a really good scene in there between um, Ben Affleck and Anna Kendrick where what they're talking about is that humans just need a connection. And even though Ben Affleck is an, is an autistic man, I, Anna Kendrick even brings up, she was even searching for that connection. Like she wanted that Vera Wang dress because she needed to have that connection with other people. And it wasn't even just about the dress. It was about the connection. And I think all our kids are searching for that. They're searching for some type of connection. Mm -hmm. um, you, you know, one of the first things that, um, that I think of when, when we're talking about building trust, building relationships, uh, establishing that connection, is something we tend not to do as educators because we get caught up in, I'm oh, so busy and, and the classes are changing if you're in a middle school or a high school, you know, or an elementary, you know, because you have the kids all day, I have to go, I have to go pee, you know. Uh, <laughs> Y'all know, one of the things that we don't do enough of, I think, is standing at the door. Like we all know you need to be standing at the door greeting your students. But I think we, 
forget um, why we need to do that. That is a perfect way to ask about their day or say hello with a smile on your face. What do you think, Sean? I am so glad that you mentioned with a smile on your face because when my, my kids come onto the floor in the morning, when my kids come, come into my classroom, I'm always at the door. I'm always there smiling. And a lot of times the kids are coming like, what are you smiling for? And I have kids who always talk to me like, Mr. Tom, you're always smiling. Why are you always happy? And I'm like, it's because I love what I do. This is, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be here with you guys. And, and you know, and I think we spend way too much time worrying about the curriculum. Like I'm a middle school science teacher and I will tell anybody I dropped my curriculum for three days to reassess what is going on in my classroom with my kids and what I can do better to serve as them and to meet their needs. And not only that, but to also get them to think about what they need as learners, as individuals. And I don't, I don't care what anybody has to say about that. Like that is more important than anything else. It's meeting the needs of our kids where they are. The curriculum can wait. I tell all my teachers that get to know your kids, be a part of your kids' lives and everything else comes after that. Yes. Absolutely. I have like these big goals. I don't know if I'll ever reach them. There's a teacher who teaches in the St. Louis metro area at the the Montgomery County School District who she has a handshake or a high five that she does with every single one of her kids. She teaches eighth grade history. And I don't know how she she does it because some of them are like those 10 point handshake high five things. <laughs> and she has them memorized and she has a different one for each one of her kids. And that, that like talk about squad goals right there. That is just that, that that's crazy. And then there's another teacher who I work with and he taught across the hall from me and I could, I can hear him every day where he stands in the hallway and he says hello and good morning, each one of his kids. And then he, when he walks into this classroom, he says, good morning, eighth grade science. It is such a joy to have you in class today. Wow. He says that every time he walks in and it's just, yeah, those are major goals for me right there. <laughs> that, that is pretty awesome. You know, when you, when you talk about the handshake, it immediately made me think back to um, my husband when he coached our sons and coached their youth teams, whether it's football, basketball, it didn't matter. And he did the same thing. And I would say, Colleen, like, how do you remember all these different complicated handshakes? And then why don't I have a handshake and I'm your wife, you know? Uh, (laughs) But the kids loved it. And he gave them, I mean, just to see how it, just to see how great coaches create community and relationship and trust in, in a sport and how the kids love their coaches. And we know that's true because for our athletes in our schools, especially in secondary, at the secondary level, the kids are more afraid to get in trouble and disappoint their coach than they are their teacher. Um, so I think maybe we can learn a lot. How often have we had um, coaches come in and lead some in-house PD on how they build community on their teams and what lessons we can take from that and bring it to our classrooms? Just a thought, just a thought. I love that. I love the hand job. I love the hand job. Um, <laughs> So last question, last question of, of the day, oh, you know, Bethany put Q4 as being, you know, h- how important student voices in classroom management and, you know, as edu gladiators, how can we ensure that our kids always have a voice? What do you think? Well, the make the, sorry. I was checking, um, my baby's making noises. I'm making sure he's staying asleep. Um, (laughs) um, 
the, the major thing is, is like I said, like have the students be the ones that set the expectations. Um, teachers, this is a big thing though, and it's really hard because of the personalities that teachers tend to have and educators tend to have, is sometimes we need to take a step back and relinquish that control and give the control to the students and let them set the expectations, let them set the norms, let them make that social contract with each other. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they can even help help monitor each other. Like I've heard my kids would say, well, you know we're not supposed to do that, or you need to be doing, like they would help self-correct or self-monitor yes. um, each other in that. And allow that. Some of the teachers, some teachers, like I walk past the hallway or I'll be like observing another teacher and I can hear them like correct the student who's trying to correct the student. Right, right. And it's like, no, just let them go. <laughs> yeah, just be quiet, you know, lower our voice and let, let's let the student's voice uh, be heard. What do you, what do you say, Sean? I say, if you're the, if you're the one standing in front of the classroom doing the majority of the talking, then, uh, you're, you're, you're doing the least amount of learning in, in that environment. And like the more, the more you allow your students to have that voice, the more you learn about them and the more than they learn. So there's something that we, we all need to do a better job of because let's be honest, it's a lot easier. It's a lot safer to be in the front of the room doing this and doing that. But when you kind of step back and give the kids the control, it, it that's where you see who your students are. That's how you generally get to know them. That's how they get to know who they are as people. And you learn their strengths, their weaknesses, and they learn it too. And then they can work to, to better themselves. And you work to better yourself as you're developing that level of leadership. I mean, as a former administrator, you know, you, you, you give some guidelines, but you don't just go in there and talk and talk and talk at a teacher after a post observation, after a post observation conference, right? You go in that conference and you ask them, you talk about things. You won't just sit there and talk the whole time, but yet teachers want to do that same thing. So the way people learn, we're not normally teaching that way. So I think we need to do a better job of doing that. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and you know, one I saw a couple of posts and a couple of people ask about, you know, what are additional resources? I think we gave a lot of resources today and I really appreciate that. Um, thanks so much, Colleen um, and Bethany with the Energy Bus online uh, about how they could improve their classroom management and really build those communities. I, I do wanna say uh, just real quickly that don't underestimate the power of a great story. As you see behind me, I, I read a lot, <laughs> and uh, and, and I am uh, excited about that because what I would do as an English teacher would I would purposely choose my novels or my short stories to reflect something that either we were dealing with as a class or dealing with as a school, and letting the kids see how other kids their age handle things in literature was a great way for them to say, to make that connection like, oh, well, sometimes I'm like this character, or sometimes we act like this situation. And it really helps them look uh, from the outside at a particular issue or topic and, um, and help make some course corrections as well. Do you guys use any literature to help with your, help establish some of those norms? Sean or Colleen, do y'all hear me? I can't. I might have lost you. I'm thinking. I don't know. <laughs> it's okay. I put you on the spot, right? I mean, yeah. I book. I, I, honestly, Marlene, I, I, I think you know that I, I work, reach out to a lot of my PLM members more than anything to bounce ideas off of and have conversations and to see what, get different opinions and, and also learn and learn more. I mean, that's one of the, the things that I've done the most as an educator in the past couple of years is really rely on my PLN and, and bring that all back to my kids and rely on them to tell me things. So, you know, I, 
literature is great, but when you're talking to people who have the knowledge and the experience in, in real time, I, mean, I, I think that, that makes it uh, that much more valuable. Absolutely. Leah put on the chat that uh, there's a boy in the girl's bathroom, and that's one of my favorite stories, is really powerful in teaching uh, in teaching uh, classroom norms or discipline, or just what you should do, what you shouldn't do. If you're in the elementary, um, you can. You, there's a plethora of picture books, you know, no matter K through fifth grade, but there are a plethora of picture books, especially for the younger ones that I know a lot of elementary uh, teachers will use to help uh, show their students, um, you know, how they kind of reinforce how they should uh, behave and like what's great, what's being a great citizen and a great friend and a great classmate is. So uh, pretty awesome there. Well, guys, look, we are at the end of our time. I am so appreciative of both you, Colleen, and Sean for jumping in, filling in for Bethany today. Bethany, again, we're wishing you uh, lots of positive thoughts for for your uh, your hubby and hoping he's feeling better. And we will have Bethany back. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to share it. If you enjoyed today's chat, and I've already got several, several uh, DMs, can you please archive it? We archive with Participate, so uh, and I will put the link there as well. We love having that partnership with them. So you can check out uh, the chat and also earmark some of the resources that are mentioned in the chat. If you're live today with us, the live chat is just complete fire. Sean, even some of your students have jumped in the chat, and you know I always love that. So uh, thank you guys for jumping in there. But we also had some great resources listed in the chat. Thank you.